This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, April 20th, 420. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. There are some strategies you can employ to make your next job your ideal job. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, numbers on home sales are out today. As you just heard from Bloomberg, along with the report on leading indicators, we're joined by Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist, BNP Paribas, based in New York. Carl, thank you for joining us today. And let's talk about that uh, report for home sales in the month of March, uh, declining once again by nearly 2.5%. And for that, you can thank those pesky mortgage rates. Yes, those pesky mortgage rates uh, indeed, and also uh, reduced confidence in the economic outlook from uh, home buyers. Uh, the, the odds of recession seem to be increasing. Uh, public sentiment towards the economic outlook has uh, deteriorated. And, of course, the icing on the cake, whether it's buying a new car or a, new, uh, or a, a home, Uh, is that the cost of financing has gone up as well. And, of course, if you're a homeowner and uh, you need to uh, get, you you just want to buy that new house. Either you've kind of, you're running out of room in your apartment or you're running out of room in your your current home. And and even though a a 7% mortgage rate is kind of a bitter pill to swallow, if the economy is indeed slowing down, you can probably bet on refinancing before too long. Absolutely. So if you're able to, uh, you know, finance uh, at uh, current interest rates, uh, you know, there's a probability uh, that uh, interest rates would be moving lower as the inflation numbers finally start to uh, come down. We've seen some progress on that front uh, in terms of inflation moderating, uh, but not yet. So I wouldn't look for a, a quick drop in mortgage rates by any stretch. This could be, uh, you know, possibly a multi-year horizon. Uh, a big factor of mortgage rates obviously will be what the Fed is doing. Uh, and our view here at BNP Paribas is that uh, there's more work to be done. So we do think the Fed will raise rates further in May. Uh, and then they'll sit on those rates for an extended period of time, possibly as long as until March of next year. So it looks a little different in this economic cycle relative to prior economic cycles, where the Fed is not playing the role of the white knight, rushing in quickly and aggressively at the first hints of recession uh, to start re-stimulating the economy Given the inflation backdrop, they just don't have that luxury this time around. And based on the numbers that we're getting today, uh, just on the small sample size of the information we have on a Thursday afternoon, is that the uh, Fed's mission to uh, slow down the economy via rising interest rates uh, appears to be working. We do have uh, leading leading, leading economic indicators dropping at a faster pace in the month of March. And what does that mean for the broader economy? Well, the leading indicators index is a composition of things from consumer spending to housing to uh, industrial activity. Uh, So it really tells you on kind of a broad-based 
uh, metric uh, that uh, activity uh, activity is moderating in the economy. It's not just the housing story. It's in the labor market. We saw it in filings for unemployment insurance this morning. Uh, the pace of growth is moderating, and that is a very important development in this broader fight against inflation. If you don't slow the economy down, you will not slow inflation down. Uh, so unfortunately, one has to happen uh, for the other to occur. And as the economy slows down, there is some pain that that results from that, including uh, rising unemployment and, uh, of course, uh, softer corporate profits growth and softer economic performance uh, more broadly. And then very quickly, Carl, uh, we do have uh, uh, the number of Americans filing for unemployment ticked up last week, and uh, it's trending upward. But where is the job market now compared to historical trends? Well, it is still on an extremely robust footing, whether it's the uh, pace of job creation uh, or the uh, pace of people filing for those unemployment checks. It's gone up, but from extremely low levels. Uh, So it's still a relatively tight labor market. Uh, That being said, we can see some chips in the surface and some cracks uh, of, you know, some leading indications that, uh, you know, it looks good for now, but there are some problematic uh, clouds on the horizon. Carl Ricadana, Chief U.S. Economist with BNP Paribas, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, help in making your next job your best job. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The pandemic has prompted many people to reassess where they are with their job, and in some cases, career. Finding employment that also works for you can be a challenge. Let's get some help from Rob Barnett, headhunter career advisor and author of the book next job best job find him online robbarnettmedia.com rob thanks for joining us today and of course uh, i i know your name and i'm familiar with your work it used to be a a, a very large presence in uh, media uh, president of uh, uh, programming for uh, cbs radio and then of course uh, the founder of one of the original digital content studios uh, my damn channel but now you are uh, telling people how they can pivot and do something else, uh, even when you're fairly, you know, kind of far down the road in your career. Uh, How did you do it? And uh, what's your advice for other people as they're making that decision? Well, I'm on a mission, Rob. The mission that I'm on is to turn the pain of a job search into a process that's a lot more practical. You know, it's, it's hard no matter where you are at any stage in your career to be stuck in that place called in between jobs and it's a lonely process. So we've put together a bunch of strategies to help people first figure out the answer to who am I, who am I now, who who do I wanna be next? And then how to really represent yourself on that damn LinkedIn and the resume, how to tell a better story, and lastly, how to target that job search so that you're not getting stuck in a pile of resumes in the HR department, but you're getting directly to the hiring manager. It's funny you mentioned that because yesterday I received an email from a rather large company in this country uh, saying that I was no longer under consideration for a job that I had applied for in the summer of 2015. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, oh my God. so yes, the uh, the if if you go through the website or through a recruiting link, uh, your resume could find itself in limbo uh, for nearly a decade. But you you mentioned about you know retooling yourself and repurposing yourself and maybe rebranding yourself into a different career, and that's very that's all well and good. But uh, if the severance is running out and the bills are piling up and the clock is ticking, a vision quest and a, a journey to find yourself may seem like a luxury. It's an excellent point. You know, there is no shame in what I would call a survival job. We've all got to do it. I've done it in between great jobs. But it is important to make sure that if you are, as you say, rebranding yourself and selling yourself for a job, you've got to focus first on what that real and realistic job title is. What are your superpowers? And is there enough evidence on the resume that you've done that kind of work in the past? Meaning, yes, you can pivot, but you can't pivot too far off experience that needs to be proven on the resume. Yeah, what's the difference between having the confidence that you can do something and just simply fooling yourself? Well, again, you, you've got to be able to look in the mirror and realize that not all of us are going to check 100% of the boxes on every job description that you see online. However, if you can't make sure that you're checking at least about 75% of those requirements, then it's not a job you should be applying to. And, and the reality is, uh, if, if you're trying to make the pivot into, let's say, a new industry, utilizing the skills you already have, you probably need a champion inside the organization to vouch for you to say, yes, this person may be new at this particular company, but they do have skills that are transferable. It is an excellent point. Make believe you're on a episode of The Sopranos and get somebody to vouch for you. As you say, that's one of the most important things, pivoting into something new. But the second thing I'll add is that I've had many times in my career where I knew I wanted to be in a different swim lane. And in order to get there, I was willing to take a bit of a lesser job title and yes, a bit less money in order to get into where I want to be, prove myself and then work back up. Rob Barnett, headhunter, career advisor, and author of the book, Next Job, Best Job. Find him online at robbarnettmedia.com. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, an update on the marijuana industry in Illinois. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's April 20th, 420, and it's a big day in the world of marijuana smoking and enjoying. And, of course, there's uh, no truth to the rumor that if you start the Noon Business Hour and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, at the same time that the audio syncs up. Recreational marijuana continues to be a growth industry in Illinois. Let's get the latest from Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. We are now three years into legal recreational marijuana in Illinois, and it's no longer the devil's lettuce, Mike. It's actually a savvy investment. Well, good afternoon, Robin. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sales are, are robust here in Illinois. I mean, Illinois has, first of all, sales are around 120 to 140 million a, a month, and uh, it's one of the uh, highest 
levels of, of revenue of any state in the, in the country, um, really Illinois has become the gold standard for how to roll out a recreational uh, program. And, uh, you know, kudos to, to uh, our governor and, and uh, in getting this done uh, properly. Uh, there's a lot of states that are really struggling to do the same. Now, there are some signs that the, uh, the, the marijuana industry in the state uh, could be plateauing, and we have discussed this before, and this may not be a demand issue so much as we've just run out of new stores. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they are, it's a pretty saturated market as far as the number of, of stores. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to uh, drive demand too much. Um, but we do, but a lot of the sales are coming from out of state. So as long as we keep getting tourists, uh, uh, you know, cannabis tourists or whatever you want to call them, coming into the state to to buy uh, to buy marijuana products, um, I think that that the future looks bright as far as a sales perspective. Now you can get into the tax situation and and the federal illegality of of uh, cannabis and and that would that would that would uh, show a different picture about the health of the industry but as far as sales and as far as the state of Illinois it's very healthy here a risk analysis of the future of the Illinois marijuana industry let's talk about the uh, the federal scheduling of marijuana uh, if it is descheduled and uh, legalized nationwide at a federal level and and you can open dispensaries in all 50 states is that an opportunity or is that a risk for the Illinois marijuana space? Well, it, it might affect Illinois revenue slightly downward, but as far as the companies go, it would, it would be a boon. I mean, uh, you know, uh, as an investor myself in, in one of the largest uh, uh, cannabis companies, uh, Pharmacan, at full disclosure, um, you know, we would love to see it off, it, it, it get descheduled because uh, right now it's, it's lumped in with heroin on Schedule 1 federally. And that means that it's considered you know, one of the one of the most dangerous drugs in in the world. Uh, I mean, to be lumped in with heroin. I mean, cocaine is is in on Schedule Two, so it's actually <laughs> scheduled lower than uh, cannabis, which which is absolutely insane. But you know, the Democrats had gotten in in 2020 on the promise for cannabis uh, um, legislation, and then nothing happened. So we're hopeful that that things will change soon. That 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 it, we we get it off of Schedule One. Because mainly that causes high taxation without getting into specifics. Uh, these companies can't really make money um, until it gets off of Schedule 1 and 2, and, and they're allowed to deduct operating expenses. So until that happens, these companies are having a tough time just staying afloat and staying cash flow positive. So hopefully something will happen soon because two-thirds of America wants legal cannabis, and hopefully the, uh, um, the members of Congress will realize what their constituents want and then and do something about it. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, thanks for joining us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9.
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. We now know a little bit more about the death of a serviceman whose body was pulled from Lake Michigan in the far north suburbs. Communities in Oklahoma begin cleanup following deadly tornadoes. In Technology Thursday, the latest rocket launch by the private company SpaceX comes up short. Also on the tech beat, we'll set up your yard and garden for the season. We'll check out the gadgets and devices to make them function better. WBBM Business, the markets are lower but gaining some altitude. The Dow is down 22 points, the Nasdaq is down 2, and the S&P 500 is down 6. We have 72 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies going up to 76 today. Some showers and thunderstorms pushing through right now. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. An autopsy has determined that the missing member of the Navy found in Waukegan Harbor died from drowning. The body of 21-year-old Seamus Gray, who disappeared March 21st, was pulled from the water last evening. Police were conducting a traffic stop in the area when they were flagged down by utility workers who said they saw what they thought was a body in the water. Waukegan Police, the Navy, and the coroner's office are investigating. Severe weather is in the forecast today from Texas to Wisconsin, while communities in central Oklahoma start to assess the damage from tornadoes that killed at least three people. The hardest-hit area where death occurred was the small town of Cole, where homes and buildings were smashed by the storm's devastating winds. Deputy Scott Gibbons on KOCO-TV says searching for survivors is hampered by storm debris. Based on the damage reports that we received thus far, it is possible that uh, more injuries and fatalities may come. In Shawnee, the winds damaged an assisted living facility where residents had to wait outside for buses to bring them to other shelter. The windows are blown out and uh, there's water in the building. Facility director Shelley Stewart and at a Papa John's, workers went into the cooler for shelter sent there by their manager, Becca Ingram. People were starting to get a little frantic and I was like, it's okay, calm down. There's three feet of concrete, we're good. I'm Jackie Quinn. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are lower this afternoon. We're joined by Art Hogan, chief market strategist with B. Riley Financial based in New York. Art, thanks for joining us today. And up until today, earnings season appeared to be surprising to the upside. There was a lot to like, but today it seems like uh, there were some wobbles. Yeah, I would tell you this, Robin. I, th- I think that's the right characterization. The market really hasn't gotten any- gone anywhere up or down since the earnings season started, um, you know, call it a week ago, right? And, and, and clearly, that's a reflection of a couple of things. First and foremost, the market seems to be comfortable with the fact that earnings are okay. Uh, we started with the big banks last week, and clearly, you know, more good news than bad news in the earnings reports that have come out this week. Next week will be the test, because that's the busiest of the weeks of earnings season. But thus far, it feels as though investors are okay. Now, there's clearly some winners and losers and some positive stories and negative stories out there. You know, Tesla clearly disappointed in their sort of shift to uh, volume instead of margin. And, and clearly, AT&T had a stumble. But, you know, a company like a D.R. Horton, one of the country's largest home builders, did great. Snap-on tools, Union Pacific. So, you know, it depends on which story you pick to say how we're doing. And I would say on balance, we have a normal normal number of companies that are beating on a percentage basis uh, their estimates, both on earnings and revenue. So thus far, I think so far so good. The market's very sideways uh, into this um, and likely will be until we get into the real heart of the season next week. What's your take on the latest reading on leading economic indicators and that uptick in uh, applications for unemployment benefits? Well, uh, on the jobless claims part, you know, we spent 
the better part of a year and a half with jobless claims sort of hovering below 200,000. The average was about 190,000. And that was true for, you know, call it the last six months coming into this, into this quarter. And as we've sort of entered the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter, that's gradually ticked up where the average now is 235, which is something we expected all along, right? We've heard about massive layoffs starting last July, uh, in particular with a lot of mega cap technology companies, but it just wasn't showing up in the weekly jobless claims. This is a feature, not a bug of what monetary policy does. It loosens up an ultra-tight labor market. So I think it's to be expected, and I suspect that we'll be in the sort of 225 to 250 range for a period of time. That likely loosens up a tight labor market where we have we still have 1.8 jobs for everyone looking for one. And you know, when we when we harken back and look at the leading economic indicators, the leading index, that has been down for seven months in a row. So the the, the order of magnitude of it's down this month versus consensus was a touch more, but it's it's clearly something that we've known about for a period of time. It is in aggregate, we should be able to do a better job of predicting this because all of the things that it measures are news that we already know. I think it's disappointing, clearly, and we'd like to see that plateau and start turning in the other direction. Just not happening this month. Is this the trickiest part of the Fed's balancing act when it comes to uh, monetary policy? It is, and, and, and clearly the Fed is, is, has, has changed their message pretty um, abruptly since the the Silicon Valley Bank um, um, going under the waves and, and you know, the mini uh, bank crisis that we went through, you know, in the rearview mirror now, but clearly that is part of the puzzle. We know that uh, the Fed looked at that as, you know, the credit tightening that's happening there as one of the rate hikes that they would have liked to have done. So they've, they've got that in their pocket. They likely raised one more time at a May 3rd meeting. But I think that's going to be it. And I think they pause there. They signal that they're pausing. They won't signal that they're cutting this year, but they probably do in the fourth quarter. So I think the Fed has gotten to the place where they got here in a hurry. You know, that broke a few things, but they're done for the time being after the May 3rd meeting. And then they'll move forward and, and, and likely need to start cutting rates as inflation seems to be getting closer and closer to their target. Target with every monthly report of the PCE and the CPI and the PPI. Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist with B. Riley Financial based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, engineers at SpaceX have some work to do. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and to say the very least, this morning's launch of the SpaceX Mega Rocket did not go quite as planned, but there's a lot of things to like about it, even if though the rocket blew up. Let's talk about it with Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor of the Today Show, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Starship did get off the ground, and it blew up several minutes into the flight, and it's not necessarily a failure, because the old cliché, does apply here back to the drawing board and there's a lot to mull over as they go there that's exactly right in fact um i mean it's funny because it's really a thin edge on one side is the sort of puffery and and pr stuff you get from from uh, elon musk and his folks uh because that's who's behind spacex obviously and they're they're trying to make this thing look as good as possible but on the other side is the reality that when you have uh a space program in this case this is the most powerful rocket ever to launch the spacecraft uh, starship um they they collect tons of data back to the drawing board in this case they don't even have to go to a drawing board um and i know that that wasn't literally what you're describing but what, what is cool about this moment is it is part of the normal arc of learning 
in a very complicated process. Remember that the whole goal of this thing is to – SpaceX is the dominant company in global spaceflight right now. Falcon 9 rockets have already been traveling to space uh, 25 times since tw- in 2023. Um, and the countdown was built to get data. So when it failed I and mean, it blew up about four minutes after launch, they actually had collected tons of data for the next phase of this development. And, uh, yes, you, you mentioned this correctly. It is the most powerful rocket ever built. It is more powerful than the uh, Artemis stack that sent the unmanned uh, uh, spaceship to the moon uh, back in November and December. It is certainly more powerful than the Saturn V, which was very reliable on trips to the moon. But in order to get there, you had a lot of rockets blowing up on the launch pad, and that's why you have these unmanned tests, so that you can you can have these explosions without uh, harming anybody in, in the process. And in this case, uh, it's not only that's really you're absolutely right. And what's really important for folks who don't know the sort of arc of learning in this whole space world is that one of the things that seems basic, but it made it past the launch pad. And a lot of, as you pointed out just a second ago, a lot of these things don't when they are learning about them. And the good news is that because it did make it past the launch pad and four minutes up into space, uh, it and when it, it blew up, it blew up automatically because it was to keep people on the ground safe. That's number one. And number two, it didn't destroy the launch pad. So the launch pad, which takes lots of money and time to develop, is intact. So their next test, which will happen very soon, um, is going to be off of a launch pad that's in, that's in one piece. I read this book uh, not too long ago called Into the Black, which was about the uh, history and development of the space shuttle program. And I think to the civilian, the early space shuttle flights were routine. They, were, they went off flawlessly. And the reality was they didn't. <laughs> there, was, there were a lot of white-knuckle moments at Mission Control. And I think it speaks to the ability of NASA and the astronauts and the engineers and the, just the amount of training and testing and simulation that goes on that space flight, uh, with a couple of notable tragic experiences, exceptions uh, does go off relatively flawlessly to the civilian. That's exactly right. And you know, what's interesting is if you're talking about flawless, flawless is progress. In other words, uh, for, for the folks who are developing these things, remember that this particular program, uh, SpaceX is getting a starship ready, another one that's equivalently huge to serve as a lunar lander for the astronauts of NASA's Artemis three mission. And that's set to sit down <clears throat> pardon me, near the moon's South Pole. And so the stakes are really high, back to your point. Human beings are going to be sent up into space. They're going to depend on the the reliability of this and so on. But these failures that you're seeing, the only difference is, the main difference for folks who are used to NASA, NASA over-engineered because they were planning for every possible problem. That ended up making it expensive and slow. This is less expensive and faster, but there are more failures. So what you're seeing is those failures are a product of let's get this done now, and those failures are giving them enough data so they won't fail, ideally, going forward. Paul Hockman, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, smart grills, coolers, and other tech-powered items for the summer. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's a fun time of year as people start setting up their outdoor spaces for warm weather activities. Technology can help make things easier and more efficient. Let's check in with Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. I'm imagining the backyard of the future, and by the future, I mean July of this year, where you're (laughs) sitting in a hammock leading a life of leisure while the robot cuts your lawn. Uh, is that uh, merely a figment of my imagination or is it reality? Well, where I live, 
There is an auto mower. That's the official title of those robot lawnmowers. There is an auto mower that mows our lawn for a lot less money than our old ride-on lawnmower. It's a Husqvarna. It runs around. We have quite a big property, and it runs around the acreage between midnight and 6 a.m., so it doesn't spook the neighbor's horses or get the neighbor's dogs barking. And it does it all on its own. And we have not had to physically do any lawn mowing in probably six months. Now, of course, there was a little winter in the middle of that, but it worked for two and a half, three months on its own. We had winter and now it's back up and running. That is one of my favorite gadgets of the whole entire all of 2022. And we're really looking forward to some of the newer automower options coming out in 2023. Now, I am a uh, traditionalist when it comes to uh, slow cooking and barbecuing things, you know, brisket, ribs, pulled pork and and things things like that. But uh, I'm also a firm believer that uh, you need to be tending charcoal for eight or nine hours, like standing over it. And uh, when you're (laughs) done, you smell like a uh, you, you smell like you've been inside a campfire but there are ways that you can do slow cooking the traditional way uh without smelling like smoke for a week afterward i mean i kind of like that rugged smoke smell too but if you haven't heard of traeger grills yet these are the tesla of smokers uh we spent a year with the ironwood 885 these started about 1500 dollars. it's that smart wood pellet grill i mean i totally get what all the fuss is about It it lets you smoke, bake, roast, braise, and, of course, grill. But with next-generation features like the Wi-Fi, you know, like Wi-Fi, but fire connection, built-in pellet sensors, it lets you cook and monitor all your fuel levels from an app on your phone. So you don't have to hang out in the pattern of the smoke all night long. And lastly, and very quickly, uh, coolers, uh, not not only can you bring the party, but it's self-contained. Okay, so those old you know, old-fashioned igloo coolers. Well, talk about a blast from the past. They have cool tunes. 150 bucks. you can get a 14, um, let's see, 14-quart cooler with two built-in twin Wi-Fi speakers. So it's truly a blast. You level up. They look cool, but they also bring the party, bring the music. Very, very cool stuff. Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today, founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the show, just go to the stream, skip back to the time you want. There's also a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.